Welcome! You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And a few of our favorite ordinary winter things are flannel sheets, candles in the kitchen, and coming in out of the cold. And a few of mine are ice skating on the neighborhood pond, long walks after a snowfall, and warming back up again with a homemade tea latte. We hope these conversations help you see the extra hidden right in plain sight in your ordinary life, too. Get comfy. Here we go. Well, today is a big day here on the Out of the Ordinary podcast because it is a first for us. It is the first time we have a co-host on the show who is not either Christy or myself. Christy's voice is a little bit under the weather this week, so we have a guest co-host on the podcast. And I was wondering who we would have with us here sharing the microphone today. And there are a few reasons I'm excited about today. Number one is that for the first time, I have somebody sitting right next to me. It's been a while since Christy and I have been in person because of COVID, but here I have a buddy sitting next to me today is the first reason I'm excited. And number two, this is somebody you've heard us talk quite a lot about over the years here on the podcast. And because today's story involves her, particularly, we asked if she would come and be a co-host on the Out of the Ordinary podcast. So today, I would like to welcome my one and only daughter, Zoe Grace Baker. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be talking to you guys today, and I can't uh, explain how happy I am to finally be here because I remember all the times my mom telling me, okay, everyone, you have to be quiet. I'm doing a podcast (laughs) now, and here I am doing it with you guys, and it's basically my dream come true. (laughs) All right, people, you heard that. We are making dreams come true here today. Zoe is with me. We actually had planned to podcast. There's a little room at our church that they let me use as an office. And she was coming after school to meet up with me today. And when she arrived, her dad had forgot to bring the microphone for us to record. And so then I said to her, should we just go home and figure out a spot to record there? And she was very insistent that we come and create our own little podcast spot. So what did we do? So we basically drove back home and then drove back here. And here we are now, but we have no regrets. (laughs) No regrets. Or don't you always say no regrets? Yeah, I used to say no regrets. We have no regrets about it. So we're so excited to be here with you guys. And I was thinking as we drove over, it's a cold, really cold January evening and the sky was changing, the sun was starting to set. And I was complaining to Zoe about how this time of year is really bleak. And as you know, we're in the season where we share our favorite things about winter and none of my favorite things are current right now. There's no snow, there's no fires, we're out of hot chocolate, like all the things I usually love about winter. And so I was complaining about the drive and about the season. And I was so surprised, Zoe, about what you said about winter. I said I actually completely disagree because um, I know some people call this, I think, the dead season. And I think this is actually the most beautiful time of the year, um, really, because I think it shows a lot of character to the land and a lot of beauty. 
I, I really like all the leaves on the ground and the gray grass and the dark skies and the cold days with no snow. And I, I just think that's really the perfect time of the year. I don't know why. I just think it's when the earth just gets so much more beauty to it and a lot more character. And I know a lot of people can really disagree with that. And I totally understand. It's like the most ugliest time of the year, but I really love it. <laughs> I love how you've sort of given me eyes to look below the surface now, right? Like, I think you're seeing something I hadn't noticed before, how you're right. When there's no snow, when there's no leaves on the trees, when the sky is kind of bleak, the earth is stripped down to kind of its barest version. We get to see all of the angles and the shapes. And I don't know, would you think of it like the art, the art of the landscape? Yeah, I kind of think it's like in the point of if you were making a painting, uh, the it's kind of like in the middle where um, there's a lot of changes to it, but right now we're just stuck there. And a lot of people think that's like when it's really ugly and you haven't added like the final touches to it or you're still in the middle of like that painting. But I find those are like the most beautiful parts where you could like either imagine the beauty to it, which some people do do and find it that can make it the most beautiful part. But I don't know. I think it's just so beautiful when the sky is just all gray and everything's cold, but then there's no snow that makes the coolness nice. And I I just think there's something about it that adds just a lot of character to the trees and the grass. And um, I think there's a difference between something that looks pretty and then a few flaws and something that looks perfect and something that's just straight up ugly. Oh, and um, really? I'm going to say that again. You said there's a difference between something that's beautiful with some flaws, something that's pretty, and something that's straight up ugly. And so you choose beauty with flaws. Is that your favorite then? That's what winter this time of year represents to you? I'm so curious. Your mind is so interesting. Actually, no, I would say this time is just for most people. And I agree, kind of like the straight up ugly time. (laughs) Where are the leaves? It's not even orange. It's not yellow. It's not red. They're just gone and they're dead. Everything is dead, people. It's the truth. Everything is just dead now. (laughs) Okay, but yet that's your favorite. That's my favorite time of the year. I love it. I think it looks gorgeous. And um, yeah, I don't. I really, there's not a way for me to explain it. It's just what I find really pretty. And I think it's looking like beneath the trees um, and just really seeing what's under all of those leaves that people find pretty. And I also kind of find it weird how um, when the trees like lose their leaves or the grass is kind of a bit gloomy or the sky is gray, like... um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mixed up those words when I say the sky was gray and the grass was gloomy. I actually That's thought funny. it was perfect. It was like poetry. Yeah. Um, I find that just when everything is gone, but like you still have the roots of everything. It's like still there, but everything. everyone thinks everything is gone. It's hard to explain, but I just uh, find so much beauty. And as I've been saying, like so much character to the land and um why I said there's either pretty, pretty, but with some flaws and straight up ugly. I find pretty with some flaws. You're always focusing on what you want to change. And when you want to change something, you you can't focus on the pretty things. 
But when they're just pretty or so happy and everything's perfect and they're straight up ugly, there's no perfect thing that can make you want this to be all perfect. When there's nothing to look at to be perfect, then that's when you you really love something. When there's nothing you want that to be when there's like no jealousy or anything you just have this one thing and there's nothing that's making you want to change it zoe grace baker blowing my mind zoe how old are you right now i'm nine years old nine years old wow i don't think i had your way of turn of your eyes when i was nine but man thank you for that that you kind of blew my mind i look forward to hearing what miss christie says because i think she might agree with you she also likes gloomy grass and dark skies <laughs> So that's what we were talking about when we were driving back here. But the conversation we wanted to have today, the story we want to tell you guys is something that we've lived together, I would say, for the last nine months. But Zoe disagrees. She says it's been longer. Um. So I've been saying I've been wanting a dog for nine years. That's actually not true. I started an interest with dogs about seven before I thought they were terrifying creatures. Now I love them. They're amazing. But for about... Uh, since I was seven, I have always wanted a dog. And I think because you guys have heard that before I hadn't want them, that's because once I met this really old black lab and I fell in love with it. It was really cute. So that's the story we're here to tell you today. I know you're all rolling your eyes down because you're like, really, they're coming to tell us a story about a dog. And we are. So yes, I feel like let's just start this out by saying dog people, you were right. Okay. All the people for years who've said, oh, but when you have a dog, it will change your life. Yada, yada, yada. I didn't believe you. I went along with it. Well, I guess that's like cutting to the end of the story. Let's go to the beginning of the story. So the beginning of the story is this. We have three children, two of them have wanted a dog for as long as they can remember. And they have campaigned ruthlessly and then finally gave up the campaign because we had told them we're never going to get one and then we would constantly point to the one other family we knew who had stayed strong in the constant barrage of requests for a pet and that was Christy and Jonathan Purifoy they too held firm in resisting having a dog but man two summers ago I got a Voxer message from Christy with some photographs attached in which she humbly apologized and said to me, we caved and sent a picture of their kids with the cutest little, what do they have? A cockapoo, right? Yeah, they have a cockapoo. The really cu cute cockapoo. The cutest cockapoo pictures you have ever seen. And I remember vividly walking to the mailbox to get the mail, looking at these pictures, and then I couldn't even fake be happy for Christy. I immediately messaged her with my outrage and said, how could you do this to us? How could you do this to us? What are we going to tell our children? You have been the only other holdouts with us. And how did you guys feel, Zoe, when you knew that they had got a dog? Um, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I felt very, very jealous. I felt like, how could they convince their parents that well and then I remember that night going to my brother's room right before they go to bed. And I was like, you guys, seriously, man, we need to start looking at books for dogs, videos for dogs. We need to make a whole on presentation for our parents to get this dog. And um, they agreed. We did that for a day. And then we gave up because it took a lot of effort and work. And then, <laughs> yeah. And they were met with a solid wall of resistance. So Peter and I, I'll just say, had had an experience with a dog briefly when we had three children under the age of four. 
We tried getting a puppy for a short period of time. We knew nothing about it. We were not prepared. We were in a small, tiny house. And that dog ended up getting adopted by friends of ours who used to babysit it for us because we knew it was completely beyond our capacity to have a dog. So many years have passed since then. And Zoe and Micah have been on a relentless campaign for us to get a dog. But they were met with a wall of resistance because I remember, and I feel bad about this. And so I want to know what you you feel feel bad. (laughs) I remember looking at you last year when you were really pushing for a dog. And I told you, listen, it's never going to happen. You just need to accept it. We are never getting a pet. Like, it's never going to happen. Move on. Yeah, that that was real kind of sad, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, she, she should feel bad. <laughs> I remember her telling me that. And, like, I believed it. I don't, like, I... I mean, we kept on asking for a dog, but I never actually thought they would get us one. Because, like, what are we going to do? Ask for a dog, and then what's going to make them look like? I don't know any dog websites to look. We're going to have to ask them and hope they look. But, of course, they're not going to because they've been saying no. I actually don't know how you guys started looking for dogs, but that's great. Back to my point. Um, I remember and not even going to my room, just thinking to myself, Zoe, It's okay if you don't have a dog while you're a kid. You're going to grow up and you're going to get yourself a dog. It's all going to be fine, man. It's all going to be fine. (laughs) Positive self-talk. Well, you know, for those of you that are listening who don't aren't pet people, this is not us trying to guilt you into it. We want to tell you this story today because it actually is going to end up being a story about much more than a dog. Isn't that always how it is here on the Out of the Ordinary podcast? God takes these ordinary stories and then does extraordinary things with them in us. And so... A year ago when the pandemic started and Zoe and Micah renewed this request for a dog during a time in their lives where there was just a lot that they had lost, like everybody's kids, right? School and routines and rhythms and sports. The dog question came back up. And for the very first time, Peter and I started to seriously, I wouldn't know, we didn't start to seriously pray. We started to cruise the internet looking at puppy pictures at different pounds near us, at shelters, at animal rescues. And what we became so surprised to discover is that dogs were getting snapped up left, right, and center. There were no dogs to be found. (laughs) But as we were doing some research, just kind of, we would, on Saturday nights, we got in this habit, right? Daddy and I would just sit on the couch looking at dog pictures. I honestly can't say how happy I was when I saw them looking at dogs. I was like, yes, our dream is coming true. Yeah, and it was so exciting, but this one moment I remember, and I don't know if you've told this before we ever started looking for dogs, I remember being in the kitchen, maybe, and uh, Dad telling us, and I asked him, Dad, um, I know we've been talking about getting a dog, and like, like we need an answer. When is the time when we're going to at least start looking? And I remember him telling us, uh, you guys, once Mom finds a bit more of a job or gets paid more, then I promise we'll start looking. That's what I remember. Because the context here is daddy had lost his job, right? And we knew that dogs are responsibility and they cost money and we need to be good stewards of our time and our resources. And so I remember about you, how you were so patient and I knew how badly you wanted one, but you were very wise. If you ever saw me and dad looking at pictures, you wouldn't be like, yes, dogs, dogs. You would say, 
oh, you're looking at dogs. Uh, do any of them look nice to you? <laughs> you would just be really polite about it. Do you remember that? I, I do. I was never like, I never remember being too like... Pushy? Yeah, pushy. I just remember kind of taking baby steps here. <laughs> like yeah. first you got to like lock the trap, then you got to get them in there, then you got to convince them. That was kind of my goal there. <laughs> so Peter and I, we started thinking and praying about dogs, especially in a season that started to feel really difficult for our children. And we realized there are so many emotional benefits of dogs, but we still couldn't find any that were available. And somehow we stumbled upon the breed called a Labradoodle. And we really like that breed because of how they are bred, particularly for their temperament to be support animals to people who are going through difficult things. And some of our kids were going through some challenging times. But man, when I got on those Labradoodle websites and saw how much they cost, I just thought, well, it will never happen. We will never have a dog. But as God is wont to do, the story is so interesting because one of the places that we were directed was somebody that turns out had previously attended our church. And when I landed on her website and I looked at her beautiful little puppies and I read their family story about how their family sees their mission as providing dogs that can provide comfort and support and encouragement to families that are going through hard circumstances, I just fell in love with their mission. And they, on their website, had a special description of how they partner with families in their breeding program in order to give you a dog at a greatly reduced price and the dog becomes yours, but they maintain the breeding rights. And these are called guardian families. And so through a series of friends, I got connected with this breeder and had a conversation with her and realized it was within our budget and that not only was it within our budget, that they were excited to partner with us. And I remember sitting down at the table and Peter and I announcing to the children that we had decided that we would get a dog. And their reaction was nothing that I expected. I mean, I thought there'd be cheering and excitement and laughter and hugs. And instead, there was a complete emotional breakdown. Do you remember this? I feel so scarred by what happened with you and Micah. Do you, do you feel like you can share a bit of your reaction? Yeah, I actually do remember it. Um, it was, I think, like nine months ago, yeah. about nine months ago. And I remember them telling us and... I felt really happy about it. I was really excited, um, but something that I, I started really crying, like of happiness, I mean, really. You and Micah started sobbing. You cried so hard you couldn't sit in your chair, and Micah had to get up and wrap his arms around you. And I have a photograph I'll show in the show notes of Micah just hugging you and the two of you sobbing. And I remember Daddy, me, and Jackson, our faces changed from happy and delighted to just sort of shock as we sat and watched you. And it seemed like you almost couldn't turn it off. Um, yeah, I think that was because a lot of hard things have happened that year. And I felt like something that was so happy um, kind of really flipped the switch for me, for me. And something just so happy that made me so elated. It was just so amazing for that year. It was such a powerful moment. Zoe has tears in her eyes now, and so do I. It was this beautiful moment of realizing, I think, hope, the power of hope. Would you describe it that way? Yeah, hope and the hope really and something to look forward to and something that you can really think of um, 
to in the future that's really good instead of having things like what if and something. It's that one thing that really brought so much hope and joy, which I found I really needed, which was so amazing. And I just got so happy and sad at the same time. <laughs> happy, sad. I just remember that day being so powerful and so profound. And at the time, though, our hope had been that there would be a puppy available very soon, right? I mean, that is what we had really hoped for. That was not the case at all. That was not the case. And that became part of the journey that was really challenging this year. And as a parent, I'll say, there's this part of you that just wants to fix things for your kids, right? When it's difficult, when it's hard, when it's sad, you want to fix it. And once we had settled on the idea of a puppy, it felt like to me like, okay, God, like, let's just fix it. Let's give these kids a puppy already, But because breeding cycles take time and uh, the partners we were working with are so careful not to run any kind of unethical breeding, we have to wait on nature (laughs) and on the right dogs and the right pairing and the right puppy for our family. And so we ended up waiting and waiting. It was April, May, June, July, August. And I remember in the summer months, we started painting Zoe's bedroom a blue color to get ready for the new school year. And there was still no new puppy. And something that happened in that season was that while we were waiting for the puppy, the person we started to talk to about our waiting experience, about our frustrations and our disappointments was God. We talked to him quite a lot as we were waiting for this puppy. Mm -hmm. And an interesting moment we had this summer is we discovered that friends of ours who had also been waiting for a while they were going to be getting a puppy before us. Um, yes, uh, these friends are such close friends of mine. Like, the, they're amazing people. And I remember getting a video from my friend of her new dog. And I, I was really excited for her, really, because, like, this is so amazing. But it was also hard at the same time because of how long I had waited. And she had also had a dog before, which was actually my name, Zoe. Yeah, that was that's really right. cool. I forgot their dog's name was Zoe. Um, and uh, I, I really thought I would like get this puppy before her. I didn't. I had no idea they were even looking for a dog, and um, I was so happy for her. I never thought I would be really sad about it until I found out the name of their dog, which was a while ago. Our cats had children and. One of their babies I just fell in love with, really. It was my best friend. It would sleep with me at night. It would hang out with me all day. And I really loved that cat, and its name was Piper. And uh, that was the best cat ever, really. It was really the perfect cat. I don't know how you could have a better one. And I remember one day going outside to feed our cats, and uh, I called the cats, and all the cats were there except Piper. And that was the day that I never saw Piper again. And that is the name they had named their dog, which was really, really hard for me. That was hard. I know. So her best friend got a new dog and named her Piper. And it was hard. But so one of the things I remember about you from that is that you were so determined to be happy for them. You were so happy for them. And what we learned is that you can be happy and you can be sad at the same time. And I remember that night, I had been too scared to even tell you that they were getting a dog. And you found out yourself because they had sent pictures and you came into my bedroom and you were crying and you were so, it's the first time in our long wait that I remembered you being frustrated. Yeah, I was really frustrated, not with my friends at all, but mainly with God for 
how long we had been waiting. And then we saw this puppy from the website and we might have gotten that puppy and we hadn't because they weren't going to use it as a guardian dog. And just so much waiting and then seeing the pictures and then not being able to get those dogs. And the series of waiting was just really hard. And I was just so mad at God, like, why couldn't you have given us this dog earlier? I was mainly mad at him because um, there's this one dog we are looking at uh, from their website, the Labradoodle website that uh, we have before we wanted to get her. And we were hoping they would use her as a guardian dog, but they hadn't. And that was really sad. And I was just so frustrated with God, like, this was our chance to get this dog. And then, like, you hadn't given us, given it to us. And why are we waiting so long? My friends had gotten this, this dog, and you know how much we need a dog. So why are you keeping us waiting for so, so long? And I'll say as a parent, it was a difficult journey. It's one of those things where you have to tell yourself, and I have to tell myself over and over again, God actually does love these kids more than I do. He put this desire in our heart. He connected us with an amazing breeder family. Do we trust Him or not? Can we trust Him or not? And I remember, Zoe, when you came into my room that night and you were so upset, I realized I had to tell you, yes, you have every right to be upset. You have every right to feel frustrated. Waiting is so hard. It's so hard. And if we try and pretend waiting isn't hard, that's just not honest, right? But do you remember there's a story from the Bible that I talked to you about that night about a God who gives good gifts? Do you remember that parable? I don't exactly remember the story you told me, but I remember you telling uh, me about how God gives uh, good gifts and He waits to that perfect time. And um, I just, one of the things I remember is just a lot of waiting and trying to be so cheerful about it because I know um, it was really hard because I wanted to be so like being like, we're so close to getting a dog. We're so close. So they have these babies. And it was hard because, well, Jackson, he wasn't, he was iffy about getting a dog really. So yeah, and Micah, he was kind of like, he's like, oh, we're never going to get a dog. It's not going to work out. Micah wanted one so badly that he wouldn't even let himself hope. I remember he said to me, it was so disturbing. He said, anytime I feel hope, I just shove it deep down into my stomach. And Zoe was the one still letting her hope shine brightly. And I think it's because the three of us, three of you and the five of us, were on a journey this year of waiting with God. And what I learned as a parent, such an interesting thing, there's this feeling like, My kids are drowning, Lord. Can't you see that they're drowning? And I felt a lot like the disciples in the boat when they had the big storm happening around them. And I wanted to say, wake up, Jesus. Wake up and look at my children. It's desperate this year. We've had a desperate year, and I need you to provide this dog as a life preserver right now. And he didn't. He just didn't. And I had to tell Zoe that night, listen, either what we believe is true when it's really hard or it's never true. And the thing we know about God is He says He's a God who gives good gifts. So when my children ask me for bread, I don't give them a stone. I don't give them a snake. I give them good gifts. And so when puppies came and went and it wasn't our turn yet, we would say, okay, we're waiting because God knows the right puppy, the right match, the right temperament, the right color, the right everything that's right for the Baker family. 
And the experience that was so scary and risky for me is I realized what happened was I had wanted God to give the dog as the life preserver. But what it felt like to me, Zoe, what it felt like to me, and you know, uh, you've heard me say this to you a lot this year now, it felt like Jesus said, Zoe, I don't want to give you a dog to make it better. I want to give you me, me, Jesus. Like, I want to be the thing that makes it better for you. Did you feel like you got there at some point this year where you realized that's what he was trying to do? Did it help? I did. But, uh, I really do think he did that. I remember so much of uh, God and Jesus uh, really being there instead of having like this dog here. I really felt like they were there. Uh, I'm saying they, God, and yeah. Jesus, but I'll just say God or Jesus. I really feel like He was there with us through everything, and I thought that was so amazing how uh, God uh, doesn't really give a thing, but He gives Himself. And and He lets us be honest, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can still be sad. You can be mad. You can say it's hard. But it just felt like He was saying, yeah, I get it. I'm with you. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely felt that way. I felt angry and I felt upset, but I definitely felt that he was uh, always there with us, and he, he is the, he gave himself really, or he and gave we, himself because we got to talk to him about yeah. all the things we felt. Right? It wasn't like he just made us magically feel better. Yeah. I, I mean, I won't speak for you. That's how I felt. I felt like I had a friend who was processing with me mm-hmm. and loved me, but I. And I'm curious what you felt about this. I will say this for me, for sure. I definitely felt a deep peace that we would definitely get a dog before Christmas is how I started to feel. Did you Did you ever have that sense? And if you didn't, that's okay. Well, what I felt, I didn't like have a sense like we're going to get this dog before Christmas. But what I had thought of like the timeline of the dog that they'll that they would be born and they would give um, them like to to the owners before Christmas. But something that brought that my thinking down a little bit is how um, I think Micah or my dad said it may not be before Christmas. Or I just think Micah said mm, it's going to be like after Christmas or something like that. So that got my excitement of it being before Christmas to a couple levels down. Right. But did you ever feel like just that, like, you got to a point where you felt sure, though, that, did you ever feel sure we're definitely getting a dog? Yes. Like, did you have peace or were you always worried? Um, I I definitely thought we were always going to get this dog, but during the, the moment closer towards when we were getting the dog, um, I felt a little bit like if iffy about it. That was mainly on the drive, but I knew we were going to get oh, a dog. Oh, the actual drive is when you got nervous? You had peace up until then? Yes. <laughs> Just like it was too good to be true. <laughs> well, what was amazing for us is at the end of the year then, actually right after Thanksgiving, we talked to the amazing breeder and she said to us, we have a puppy for your family. It is the perfect one for your family. And they, it was just so much fun. They sent us pictures and weekly emails and updates about her. And we got to help pick her name. Do you want to tell people what her name is? 
Um, I don't know if you already know this already, but our dog's name is Cleo, C-L-E-O. And uh, the fun part about the name Cleo is that Cleo means glory. And something that my mom was telling me about, we have been, uh, before we found the name Cleo, which means glory, we have been listening to the song that I think is called Glory. Glory in the highest. Yeah. yeah, we had been listening to that song a whole bunch, or at least my mom had. And um, so that was really interesting how uh, those two kind of connected. Yeah, like right here in the, in the season of Christmas where we're glorifying God and singing about His glory to have a puppy come home that just acknowledges God's work in our life. And so you know, you can over-spiritualize stories about puppies, but man, you guys, I got to tell you, in a really brutal year, that was really hard for so many people in so many ways. Our little family held on to this hope of a puppy, but it made us draw really close to Jesus because waiting makes you do that. It makes you check in all the time. Hey, Jesus, hey, did you forget about that thing we asked you for? Are you still here? Did you hear me? Do you care? Do you love me? We asked all those questions. And all the time, there was just a growing piece in my heart of him saying, I do. I really do. I'm with you. And the beautiful thing is that Micah's birthday is two days after Christmas, December 27th. And I had just hoped it would be in time for his birthday. But when we got the message that we could pick her up December 20th, right before Christmas, and we piled into that car, and it was the only two days of the season that it has snowed. It was magical and snowy, and we drove out to meet that puppy. And I tell you what, have you ever seen a family who said they would never have a dog fall in love with a dog as quickly as we did that day? Although, Zoe, I will say you were wearing your Santa sweater, and you did cry on the way there, because I think it was for the very first time it seemed like it was too real, like too good to be true. Yeah, it was really crazy. I remember, I think the thing that went through my head on the drive there is all the times we had visit our puppies, all the times we had visit them and visit them. And I was like, wow, this time when we would be visiting them, we're going to be adopting. This is what it must have felt like when uh, Miss Nolly, the breeder, told us, uh, these puppies are going to be picked up on this day. I, I kept on thinking to myself, this is m- must what it had felt like for those people. And I just felt like an overjoyment. I thought I would actually cry there, or at least on the way there. But um, I cried a little bit uh, on the way back home with Cleo. And it was crazy, like she was in my arms and she was moving around and she was so tiny and perfect. (laughs) She is the most joyful puppy you've ever met in your life. And this is why I say, dog people, you were right. I never in a million years would have thought I could feel this way about this tiny little ball of fluff. She is so precious, so fun, so delightful. And yet Pete and I have said time and again, man, if God had given us that puppy way back when, when we were sinking, I think we would have held on to that puppy as our life preserver. But instead, because of our frustration, because of our sadness, because of how hard it was to wait, we were forced to talk to Jesus about those things. And so each of our kids now, we've had conversations with them, and my hope is this is how they'll remember this story, that God, when you ask Him to rescue you, when you think the ship is going down, He doesn't just give you a life preserver. He doesn't give you another thing to make you feel better. He gives you Himself. And now, Zoe, we get to wake up in the morning and we have Cleo as like a special bonus gift that Jesus gave us. She was there for Christmas with us. So funny. Actually, this morning, since 
Cleo is kind of like a thick dog. She's like a thick, uh, tiny puppy. Uh, I walked out of my room uh, tired, and it was like this little potato jumping up and down <laughs> from me. She's like a puppy potato. She's so <laughs> thick like a little potato. She's just jumping up and down on me, and she literally looked like a tiny potato. <laughs> Man, we've fallen in love with our little potato. I have to tell you what, we are just so grateful. And I'm so thrilled, Zoe, you and I could sit here together and tell the whole story because we've never done that before. And I want to say thank you for sharing how you've really felt and how it's okay to feel frustrated and mad and sad. God doesn't come to tell us to pretend we don't feel those things. Instead, He says, guess what? I'm going to sit here and I'm going to feel those things with you. And we thought it was so special that the biggest waiting happened in the season of Advent, which is a season about waiting, and in the season of Christmas where God promises to be with us. And He was with us, man. He was with us. And then He sent us a puppy. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember that day, like, looking through the windows and, like, we're so close to meeting Cleo. And then I remember the breeder holding her and having Cleo come out there. And, like, I can't explain the, like, the enjoyment I had. And they're trying to take pictures. And they're like, so you have to move out of the way. You can't, like, keep on hogging Cleo. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, she's so cute. <laughs> We're so grateful. We're so grateful. The breeder that we partnered with, their organization is called Cornerstone, which is such a wonderful name because they believe so much in the ministry of what they do. Cornerstone. Australian Labradoodles. And Sonali is just our light and star in this year of helping us navigate this journey to becoming first-time dog owners. And we are still learning. There's lots to learn, but my goodness, we are loving it so much. So, thank you for letting us share the story. For anybody who's listening and is in a season of waiting, I guess Zoe and I just want to say it's okay if you feel like it's hard and awful and it's never going to be over and you feel mad and you feel sad and it's difficult when other people have their turn and you're still waiting. So do you have any final encouragement you would give to somebody who's still in the waiting season for something? I would. The thing about waiting is that the moment when you find out you're you're, you're going to be waiting is like, that's the moment where you kind of feel like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be waiting for so long. But when life passes by, I've found that waiting, uh, waiting about things isn't, like, that shouldn't be the sad part. I kind of take the joy of waiting till, um, like, focus on the things that are happening now and focus on the things that are going on in life now and, um, if you just focus on those things and live your life as you would live your life, but with something to hope, uh, ho- something to hope for in the future, I think that's just such a gift. Instead of thinking of waiting is so awful, living your life in like such a good way and then thinking of that hope in the future, I think that's just such a powerful and joyful and amazing feeling I found. I love that. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I've so enjoyed having you on. Thank you for being the extra in my ordinary this week. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend. Click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.